at, at the time, right, when we first kind of had the first go-round of ChromeSoft conversations, they used the phrase changing the, the tires on a moving car, and, right. and now kind of where they're at and continuing to to improve that factory, um, they're saying it's it's starting, it's becoming more like changing the engine on a moving car. All right, everybody, how you living, Tony? How's life? I'm living large. Tony's living large. This episode, large. this episode, uh, we're episode 100. We're gonna get into two kind of the bang- balloons. Oh, I forgot. But we're getting into two topics today, Tony. Has Callaway fixed their ball shit yet? Have they done that? Do we know anything? And two, why Scotty Cameron putters might actually start looking a little bit different here in not very long. The reason probably isn't what you think. Are they going to so, be different like red? Like remember when, when Taylor made and Callaway were like, hey, let's just hey, paint everything red for you. Hey, you made a putter in red. We're going to make one in red. And Jason Day is the best putter in the world. No, I don't think it's quite like that. But I want to get into ball plant stuff right away. So, Tony. Balls. I got two hats here. You do. Those are, in fact, I, I <laughs> one, two, I, I concur. Those two, are hats. two hats. We went to two different ball plants. We did. Right? Well, yeah, I did, well, and, and then we did. And then we did. Which ball plant was more impressive overall? <sighs> yeah, oh, boy, that's, not, that's a loaded question, isn't it? I think. Totally. Define impressive. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. You got to pick one. Here. Which one was more impressive? Uh, in terms of like just kind of latest and greatest technology, the Callaway plant is impressive in terms of you know history and maximizing every available inch of floor space and just you know churning out quality golf balls forever. Titleist is impressive. So different different takeaways from different places. How's that for for walking the tightrope? Yeah, it's super fair and super fair <laughs> i guess so all right so let's talk Maybe about we, what we need to do is, is go to bridgestone and so. we got to go to bridgestone get a third hat in there and and kind of see what's going on but um just to recap we oh, know that door, historically door, yeah historically we know that callaway had manufacturing issues that that we uncovered that there we have issues, yes, issues, issues. that we believe they were well aware of prior to, but we're going to take the number and say $50 million is a number that they had thrown out in terms of improvements, things that they said publicly they would dedicate to updating their facilities, making better golf balls, right? Ultimately, higher quality golf balls, more consistent golf balls. You visited, you got inside the the, the Callaway plant. Have they fixed their shit, Tony? Well, let's first start with $50 million and counting. Okay. Um, so you know that's kind of the initial investment. They're still pouring money into it. At, at the time, right when we first kind of had the first go round of Chrome Soft conversations, they used the phrase changing the, the tires on a moving car, and right. and now kind of where they're at and continuing to to improve that factory. Um, they're saying it's it's starting. It's, it's becoming more like changing the engine on a moving car. Uh, so yeah, super, super technical stuff, like really, you know, cutting edge and in some respects and as much as a ball plant can be because it is still an industrial operation. So yeah, I mean, I think there is clear evidence that they are spending money and, and getting better for it. 
Mm-hmm. Are they? What are they spending money on? So, like again, fifty million. It's a huge number. I can't even really. It's hard for me to conceptualize fifty oh million. Yeah. I mean, you got to convert right? that like, to ice cream. I don't know. I got, yeah, that's it's a lot. That's twenty-two million pints of Ben and Jerry's. I can wrap my head around that. But what is fifty million dollars of expenditure look like? From you know, when you're walking through there, what are you seeing that gives you any evidence of that? I guess. So, if I were to kind of turn fifty million dollars into a single word that encompasses everything, it would be modernization. I think that's okay. fair. So you're seeing, you just kind of go back to right the initial 50 million. Kind of the first thing we saw was was 3D X-ray, mm-hmm. and they've built on that and expanded the capabilities of that. They're now putting, you know, sort of material into their mantle layers and you know the kind of their inner mantles, outer mantles in their four piece, so they can actually see each of those layers individually and and understand the true concentricity of the golf ball in totality. Okay, so, so not just an hey, not machine. just the core is centered. Like, hey, this whole everything is centered. That's kind of right. cool. Right. So make it really simple, right? When you're making, let's say, a three piece golf ball, you have the core that obviously goes in the middle. You have a mantle layer. Ideally, <laughs> ideally, part, the core goes in the middle. That was part of the original problem. <laughs> was, right? the, the core was in the middle, and then sometimes also not in the not middle. at all in the middle. So <laughs> you have a core in the center. You have a mantle layer that wraps around that core, and then finally you have a thin um, cover that's made out of some type of urethane, and and, and that's if you it. don't have another mantle layer. But sure, that's right. That's if you don't have a second mantle layer, but in, in a in a three piece tour level ball. Core, mantle, cover, those three pieces are, are kind of what you have. What, to review for people, what did Callaway get so wrong before that they had to invest this amount of money? Where where was the, you know, where was the jackknife semi-trailer on the highway? Where, yeah, I mean, where did was, it happen? I mean, we definitely know they had issues centering cores. And, you know, we found it with Chrome Soft and then going back generations, cutting things like, you know, the Hex series. So speed regime, right? Anything that had essentially more than two layers um and certainly more so when you got into the four piece balls where that that core is is highly visible and you can see when it shifted and this this was kind of a, an issue and if you you know just sort of dissect video of the process at the time it, it wasn't technical what you could kind of see as you kind of play that in slow-mo is like hey we've got our our outer core and now we're just going to have a guy toss the core in and and hopefully it lands in the middle is, is certainly what it looked like when when I watched some of the videos. So like playing cornhole, Here right? Yeah, I mean, it, to an extent, it was like that. And now they've got you know robotics that go into it, very precise. The things like upgrades to your ovens, you don't you don't think about that, right? But if you've got however many cores, you know, multiple, right, dozens of cores in a single batch, you need every part of that oven to be exactly the same temperature. Because that's going to drive things like compression consistency in other ways. So, you know, that's one of the things I saw at Titleist when I went the first time, right? Like just precision control, patents around controlling temperature at all, every point inside an oven, all the corners, the middle, et cetera. And now to see Callaway do things like that, you know, they have that technology now. They can cook balls at the same temperature. Small detail, you would think, but huge impact on the final product. Again, the, the robotic centering of the cores or at least that's where they're headed right if we're being brutally honest here they they did kind of stop making dual core balls for the time being and i was going to ask that question that's that's the obvious joke right what's the easiest way to center a dual core ball 
don't make one. <laughs> don't make one, right? Don't I mean, because we yeah. know it, it. it is. I mean, those two questions I had for you. One is Callaway did go away from the dual core construction process. So rather than having two different layers to center, you know, uh, four different la- layers, you went from four to three. So, okay, that makes it a little bit more simple. Um, but then secondly... Do you, based on what you've seen in there, have reason to believe or evidence to support that Callaway has fixed the problem, so to speak? Is it something that consumers can go, yep, Callaway's said they do this, they invested, and mission accomplished? I think they're well on their way. So one of the kind of the the, the quiet part here in the, the precision technology story is that... Say the quiet part out loud. So they have, you know, the, the 3D x-ray is ongoing, but that, that doesn't necessarily help prevent mistakes, right? It's like we already made the mistake and now we found it. Right. Uh, and there's no, there's really no going back at that stage in the game. It's, you're throwing it away. You're just throwing it away, right? Yeah. So with, with what they've added, the processes they've added into the process or continue to add... Now they're at the point where they are going to kind of catch things earlier in the process, ultimately yield less scrap is ultimately the goal, right? Less things that have to get thrown away. But but again, that's an ongoing process. So you actually have a situation where the factory is almost running in parallel as they wait for new tools to come in. So, you know, some of the some of what gets made goes through this high precision, fully automated, laser scanned every which way process. And some of the stuff goes through kind of the the older equipment that isn't isn't where Callaway wants to be, isn't, and I think more importantly, isn't where Callaway is going to be down the road and you know months and the years to come. So let's get to that, yeah, because Callaway's throwing around this term precision technology, right? They they've put that on the on the outside of the box. It's, it's on the box. You it's cannot on the box. Put it so on a box. Be if true. It's not true. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's it's got to be true. Kind of a fact. I mean, what does that actually mean? So like precision technology. Yeah, like you get a, a I get a box of cereal and it says, "Ooh, you know, new and improved." Well, I'd hope And so. I, to an extent, right? That that that's what precision technology means is new and improved. And so does that mean they weren't doing precision technology before? Well, I mean, yeah, it's certainly more precise than it was. How's that? <laughs> I mean, I like uh, you start you start advertising technology. that you're doing something now, it's like, "Hey, I don't well, I mean, does that mean you have to? So if you're saying, "Hey, this is what we do now," doesn't that kind of mean that's not what we were doing before? Yeah, and I think they've they've done a reasonably good job of acknowledging that. You know, certainly you have to kind of go and look for those responses, but they are out there. They've acknowledged that the ball wasn't wasn't what it should be. Definitely not what they want it to be. Right. So hey, you know, past is a past, right? Let's move on from that. If we talk about precision technology, it's it's kind of a it's, it's sort of an evolving thing that rolls out in phases. So right. with this iteration of precision precision technology, the emphasis is on that, what they talk about concentricity offsets. Again, is, is everything inside that ball centered? Is my layer thickness the Symmetrical, same? Symmetrical. Kind of it, in yeah. talking two dimensions, keep it simple. Is my mantle is thick on my left side? It is, is on my right side. It's that sort of thing. So that's where they are now. And, you know, kind of, and I really didn't think about this until we visited Titleist, but one of the big things that, that's been great for Callaway around precision technology inside the factory is it, it's given the entire team there something to rally around, something to be proud of. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a huge difference maker because again, like we know those those previous generation balls 
weren't great. And I'm sure everybody at the factory wanted to make the best product they could, but they didn't necessarily have that capability. Right. Now they have the capabilities to make a really good golf ball. And again, it's evolving. It's going to get better. It's not everything that they want it to be, but it is something that the people working that factory can can rally around and, and really be proud of. And that, I think, is, you know, ultimately, when you have a workforce that's driven towards a common goal, and, and when I was there, it, it got to be kind of a joke because at every station, they really kind of stepped me walked me from step one to step two, right? Every part of the process. And, right. and there was a demonstration there and an engineer there to kind of step me through in detail. And every person there used the phrase precision technology to the point where I was like, you, you know, how much are you paying these guys? Is there a bonus <laughs> right. in here? And you know, we all had a good laugh about it, but, right. but it is really that. It's something that they can build around and then build on as they move into, again, you know, when, when we see what I assume will be a 2024 golf ball, if the, if the cycle holds, right, that'll be right. an evolution of precision technology. And so where we are, like I said, layer concentricity now, we're going to get into whatever the next part of that story is. And so, again, yeah, it's it's progress. And I think, you know, we'll see. I just ordered today the second batch for Ball Lab, and we'll see what that looks like. But my expectation is that we're going to see a better ball from Callaway than we've seen to date. Because yeah. I've seen everything that has gone into making it that that wasn't there even two years ago and certainly wasn't there four years ago when we really started looking at this and going, my God, what is what is this? Right. Well, and the, the proof of, the, you know, people say the proof is in the pudding. Really, the proof is in the eating. Right. So when you actually get the balls in hand and can put them through our methodologies and see ultimately, hey, did these processes lead to a better outcome? That's when we're actually right going to know. But based on what you saw, based on your sense of things from there, because um, this will kind of lead into Titleist a little bit. Titleist is the bar. There's there's no two ways about it. They they are the absolute bar in the industry. Where does this put Callaway in that, you know, hierarchy? Is it still Titleist and then, you know, a Grand Canyon and then everybody else does? You think this puts Callaway within shouting distance at all? Like, what's your assessment? Yeah, you know, I, I don't have a good answer on that. I think talking to some of the people at Callaway and, and more specifically, some of the people at Callaway who used to work for you know, that, that next rung up, if you will. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the assessment is there are some things that Callaway is doing right now that that may be a little bit better than what Titleist is doing, but there are better. other areas for improvement. So what is Callaway doing better than Titleist? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily Callaway. have that answer. But again, there, there is, you know, if you, if you assume that when it comes to manufacturing and again, precision technology that if you have, and, and we know how technology evolves, if you have newer machines that are capable of saying, let's say, hey, taking more pictures of, of the product as it's rolling by, things like that, right? Giving you more measurements in real time. Uh, that kind of thing would be my assumption. So, you know, I don't know how far that, that gap is right now. And we'll start to see that when we measure. And, and the other thing I would say too, you know, we you can't discount Bridgestone from that conversation too. Absolutely uh, not. Because one of the things like, look, we, we found some, and they're not crazy. It's not the kind of thing I, I go into panic mode about. Like little things like weight and small compression variation that, that maybe isn't as tight as, as we see with Titleist. But the bottom line with Bridgestone, for example, is never find a really bad ball for the most part. Mm -hmm. So 
hey, you know, the, the layers are all pretty good and the, and the compression is all within a, a sensible range. So, you know, I still think, you know, my, my hunch would be, yeah, Callaway is moving closer, but you also can't just seed second in terms of quality without, you know, talking about Bridgestone either. Yeah, like that's, and we haven't been, in all fairness, right, we haven't been inside facilities Bridgestone or, or Strixon um, to, you know, to see and assess any of but, that. But the key piece here too now, if you look at, Callaway's ball lineup it is it is different right they're they're not mm-hmm. one for one with Titleist I would argue probably no they're staggered kind of right like right and like, even even Bridgestone to a degree right when you when you talk about trajectory and spin differences they stagger a little bit too there's no definitely no in either one of those lineups right there's not a ball that I would say one for one if you play pro v1 go for this right yeah so yep. that's the big one right? so there in that case no, now what you yeah. have is a wider swath of fitting options if you're a golfer and if that if the quality standard increases now you can say hey you know maybe maybe these guys actually have a ball that that fits me better in terms of mm-hmm. performance and I don't have to worry nearly as much about the quality thing so yeah you know if we look at a big picture does this whatever Callaway is doing right the money they're spending really does have the potential to to benefit golfers and so you know that's a win and the other side of it too is if if they get better, we know Titleist is not just going to sit down and go, well, <laughs> no. they got better. I guess that's that. No, they're going to push themselves to improve as well. And they, you know, we were out there, they talked about $50 million of their own in capital improvements to their factory. So everybody's going to continue to spend money. And, and hopefully, as long as they keep pushing each other, it, it means better for golfers. Yeah. And there's, the, there's an 800-pound gorilla in the corner called the USGA and stuff that we'll get to sure. down the road. Perhaps, but before we do that, we did have a chance to get inside Titleist, their their facility last uh, last week, whatever it was, and I was struck by how blue collar. Uh, I don't want to say old machines, but it's you know it's, it's been fundamentally in this place, and and I don't mean old in the sense of antiquated, right? I mean old in the sense of they've been there for a long time doing these same things. It's very advanced technology it's very precise technology they effectively built the vast majority of their own machines so they know when to service them how to uh, i think when you're on the floor they saw a guy two guys they were taking apart a machine and rebuilding it so they could recalibrate it they every once in a while just yeah they take the car apart and rebuild it take one thing offline it's showing off (laughs) what so what struck you you know since you've seen them both and, and can kind of compare them. What? Um, so I would say kind of the big thing was having, having kind of Callaway just a, a month and a half, two months earlier and seeing what they're doing with the modernization and the, and the machinery they have, it, it more became like, okay, I saw that at Titleist or, or at Callaway. And that was, that was really cool. And I could see why that could be a difference maker. Now, do I see that same stuff at Titleist? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, for the most part, I saw it, but again, it's it's older. And again, and and at some point, right, Callaway stuff will be older, and Titleist will have newer, and that's just the way it goes. But certainly, we know it it gets the job done. And I didn't see anything that that Callaway is doing that I could say, oh yeah, Titleist needs to do that if they're going to stay up front. It's just, you know, like I said, kind of they're they're being pushed for sure. Uh, but I, you know, nothing that made me go, oh boy, you know, they're, they're in trouble now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the big difference. I mean, probably the biggest difference, and this is this is certainly something that that Callaway is looking to resolve uh, 
as quickly as it possibly can. Again, with wow. machinery that you can't just go buy on eBay. Titleist is using every square foot of available floor space in there. So much so that they actually, once the balls are made, they throw them in trucks and, and you know, drive them five miles down the road to, to actually box them up. Whereas Callaway at this point actually has floor space that is effectively sitting empty. And it's it's not because they don't have demand. It's again they're just waiting on the machinery to to bring more of that factory up to that new standard. Yeah, that volume piece. I was going to say that was kind of my other big takeaway, and I think you're probably going to write a, an article on some of this stuff too, in in terms of what kind of we saw and experienced is the volume. And and when Titleist talks about you know they can do if they're running at full capacity a million golf balls uh, a day. Um, combined in their plants. That doesn't mean they make 365 million golf balls a year. I'm not saying that, but at capacity when they have enough materials in hand, right? Because that's something everybody's fighting is is having enough stuff to make the golf balls out of. But um, when they're cranking, they're making a million golf balls a day, which uh, again, effectively dwarfs uh, any other manufacturer. So it, it's to see the volume of the operation going on, the the hundreds of employees and the different spaces and areas, um, it's hard to kind of get that picture in your head of, you know, it's like Santa's workshop, right? And all of a sudden you got hundreds of elves in there cranking away. And, and yeah, if we uh, take if we take Ball Plant Four in Thailand out of the conversation, right? Ball Plant Three is where they make Pro V One, Pro V One X, and AVX, right? Those are. Yep. Those are all high market share golf balls. AVX not as high as the other two, but it it certainly registers, right? It it has yep. quantifiable share. Yep. You go to Callaway, that factory makes Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X, and now XLS. But on, in any given month, right, there's a little bit of shuffle between Supersoft, which is made overseas, as you know, certainly if it's not number one, it's the number two ball in Callaway's lineup. So right. you know, there's certainly I wouldn't say the same kind of demand at the kind of the, the top of the market share category on the factory as there is for Titleist. Yeah. Um, kind of a unique situation there, but I mean, yeah, Callaway, Titleist would love to be making more balls right now. Callaway would love to be making more balls and a Shrixon, Bridgestone, TaylorMade. If you're making a golf ball right now, you're wishing you could make more. So, yeah. And what's funny, right? We, we focus so much on the end result. We test products, we test golf balls. We evaluate the, you know, those outward pieces, the, um, you know, ultimately what's delivered. But I think you saw this, seeing some former Titleist employees inside the Callaway ball plant, uh, inside the Titleist ball plant, people that had been there, you know, generations. Uh, one guy we talked to was like between him and his dad. I think his dad was there uh, 42 years and he was 37. Like they'd been there almost 80 of the years, you know, in, in terms of their family. You and I started talking about, okay, really these highly refined processes and all these things, ultimately, and a lot of it comes down to the people. And I know there are a couple of people that kind of, you know, sprung to mind for both of us in terms of if people knew, if consumers knew who these people were and what they do, um, they'd probably start to attach themselves to, right, to kind of those individuals, not unlike an artist, right? Where it's like, oh, you see a painting. Yeah, it's the painting. But you know, the whole backstory in that person. And that's part of what, what kind of draws you in 
what you know who were those people for you when you know when you and I were chatting about it? who were some of the uh, the names that popped to mind for you well sticking briefly in the ball category right we it's one of these things like we know because it's our job to know but it's not widely known I'm sure to most of the people listening to this but you know kind of a name on the move right it's almost like trading teams happens all the time but yeah Eric Loper was the ball guy at TaylorMade from the first time round draft pick. Left. Fair to say, for sure, first on the ball side, yeah. It's, yeah. If you're drafting golf ball R and D guys, yeah, he, I think he's he's you know first round pick solidly. Um, okay. So he he left TaylorMade. He's been at Callaway for two years now. So worked on the current generation. There are some things I see when I measure golf balls that's like, all right, Loper did that. I you see know? his so, fingerprint. What specifically do you see when? So going from TaylorMade to Callaway, now you see it at Callaway. What specifically do you look and say, oh, that's a <laughs> the one thing that had like Lim- Loper's fingerprints all over it was. So we, we've talked before and we see it in Ball Lab. TaylorMade makes a small golf ball. Right? They they push the limits of the USGA. I say that it's probably it's it, it's conforming ish technically yeah but you know it conforms to the letter but not the spirit of the rule is kind of what i would say and you know when i measured the new chrome yeah. softs I'm like, yeah loper loper <laughs> and, you uh, a small but again, faster yeah right it's it's a way to get speed out of any or you know certainly i wouldn't say speed necessarily talking aerodynamic resistance yeah. some speed but you know you're a longer golf ball out of out of a softer golf ball and so they hey that that's smart and and so you're gonna see it they're you know I talked about the the guys that I I met and in in one case you know chatted with again last time I saw him we talked he was at Titleist now I bump into him at the at the Callaway factory these are guys Loper these other guys they make Callaway better and we we see this throughout the industry where faces faces change places and have an almost immediate impact I would say if you want to talk. In my mind, what is probably the best example in the, the My Golf Spy era, which is 10 to 12 years, right? We're going, yep. couldn't even tell you how many years back now, but Chip Brewer goes from Adams, becomes CEO of, of Callaway. Yep. Within a couple months, he brings in Harry Arnett from who was with TaylorMade previously, mm-hmm. develop an entirely new marketing strategy. Uh, and some of that was, you know, simply marketing and some of it was also to market better products and ultimately completely changed their changed the trajectory of of callaway golf and and now with with harry gone for for more than a year now you're probably two years i can't even keep track but a while now you're seeing like you know i maybe not fair to say suffer but it's not the same company in terms of how it approaches things yeah certainly within the social media space and how they interact with golfers very different approach Um, so again, huge different ma- difference makers when they come, difference makers when they go. Um, yeah, I Tom Olsavsky, when he went to Cobra from TaylorMade. Again, yeah. now probably some of the most innovative, uh, best drivers in the game. And that's, you know, coming from a guy who had a history of doing that at TaylorMade. So all of these things, and you've got one you've been sitting on just a, yeah, I've been a, another on, week. On one, thing, but right? I love, we don't know, could be massive. Right. And, you know, and you, I think your analogy of sports teams makes a lot of sense because – you know, one or two things can really, really, like you said, change the trajectory of a company. I mean, effectively, Callaway took the bits and pieces of the previous TaylorMade playbook that worked really well and said, how do we take the parts of this that worked really well and make them work for us while also making what we feel is is fundamentally a better product than before? And you saw the five-year war, if you will, where basically it was Callaway going toe-to-toe saying, we want to overtake 
TaylorMade as the number one company in golf. Define number one however you'd like, but that was right their objective. Um, the one I've been sitting on for a little bit is, yeah, Scotty Cameron putters might look different in a year or two, or different to those who know. Um, still, and, still like red circles though. Right? I think there's still going to be the okay. red circles. Maybe a circle T for a circle Tony right. if they come out with uh, yeah. you know something like that. Yeah. But not named after me, but it could not be. named after you. But there's a guy named Osti Rollinson. And for those inside the industry that know Osti Rollinson or know that name or have played an Odyssey putter, um, save for the last cycle or so. Uh, <laughs> I've never played an Odyssey <laughs> I don't. Have, you didn't play the original number seven, the Fang, when it came out. I it's funny we're having everybody, a conversation about everybody Odyssey played the and Fang. Scotty Cameron. I'm like, I don't know that I've played either <laughs> one. Well, we know, yeah. Uh, know this story is going to matter to me, but go ahead. <laughs> so, Osti Rollinson, uh, the the man, the designer, the man behind the curtain, if you will, of Odyssey putters and their ascension within the Callaway family of brands to, um, I guess, in some regards, fair to say, the most dominant putter company in the world, particularly on I think, tour. I think, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I, I Odyssey think okay is the number that. one putter I, right now. It's, yeah. And again, we've seen it in our testing. They test incredibly well. The product speaks for itself. And Aussie Rollinson had absolutely everything to do with that. Well, go backward to, to kind of COVID. Callaway, right, went through a period of, of slashing uh, a bunch of people, some um, reductions in staffing, if you will. Osti was one of those casualties. He went out and started doing some consulting and, and other stuff with another company that I won't get into right now. But Osti is now with Titleist, specifically Scotty Cameron. And for the first time in the history of Scotty Cameron putters of that entire franchise, um, Scotty will now have a true R&D uh, individual who gets everything, right? From a design perspective, from a marketing uh, or from a market perspective, bringing products to market that entire cycle, working with people on tour, right? You know, you can't just find an Austin Rollinson on eBay and go, oh yeah, we'd like to buy one of those. So people like this, they don't come available um, every, uh, I mean, rarely, right? It's kind of a generational thing, honestly. And so, Aussie Rollinson going to Titleist to be the right hand man of Scotty Cameron to me says two things. Number one, great job, Titleist, super kick ass move right there, right? Like, great hire. Number two, I start thinking to myself, why? Why hire Aussie Rollinson? You know, Scotty Cameron hasn't hurt. In terms of name brand recognition, uh, a lot of those things for a lot of people, fine milled putters of Scotty Cameron, that's still a bar within the industry. My thought was, and, and you kind of planted the seed with me a little, Tony, we were chatting, is tour usage. Odyssey is kicking the living shit out of Scotty Cameron on tour and is able to throw up this number one badge and awful lot and i don't know that that sits well with scotty so who better to hire to go after some of that than Odyssey rollinson that's it may be i may be just you know tinfoil hat stuff but i think 
I think that's where they're going. I don't know. Does that sound crazy to you? Am I way off or what? No, you're spot on. I, mean, I think if you look, right, it's, it's a crazy thing to say, but Odyssey use on tour has been climbing um, every year for the most part. And if if one thing climbs, something else has to decline. And that, that's something that's, that's been trending the wrong direction is, is Scotty Cameron. And that's, you know, it's not to say they're hurting. I mean, it's solidly going to be a, a not only number two, but a very close number two on tour. But you're also seeing a shift in the retail market again, especially because you know, Odyssey typically sells for a lot less than Cameron. And so if you can get a putter that costs less, and in our opinion, for sure, based on, you know, at this point, <laughs> six plus years of most wanted testing, it's going to for most golfers outperform that that very low tech chunk of steel mm-hmm. like why wouldn't you do that and so i think i think at this point there is a need to bring scotty cameron putters up to a modern standard you know, and i can't been wait pretty, to s- yeah and, and uh, you know hey that's the craftsmanship has been the story for a long time right yeah arguably market, all precision that technology and a putter, right right <laughs> because precision milling all of the stuff that they do and they they look great right i sure. mean they are yeah fantastic sort of art pieces to a degree but you know when you, you talk about particularly with average golfers who need the benefit of technology it hasn't always been there again seeing the tour kind of adopt more technologically advanced putters for as much as you know the naysayers will be like oh if you can't hit it on the on the center of the putter what are you doing well guess what nobody pros hits don't. the putter center all the time yeah pros miss and so it's it's just like any other club and, and maybe that collision isn't as violent but the technology still matters and so there is sort of a hey let's let's see if we can't let's see if we can't make this better because you know, we've been doing little changes here or there, and I've heard people say, you know, really good things about the, the, the more current generations of Camerons. But if you kind of go down the list of, of where the competitors are, Odyssey, generally high tech. You're seeing now the Cobra putters with the sick face technology and the 3D, 3D printing. milling and stuff. You know, 3D print. Not a silver yeah. bullet. It's not magic, but right. it is. It is an improvement over a solid piece of steel, and, and even you know, mixing in some lighter components. Right. It's it is advancement. It's more opportunity to to do something different. And yeah. So yeah. And and the other piece of it is too, I, I think if you look at tour counts, like just across categories, and, and right now, you know, driver's a little bit in flux, but last year Titleist was the number one driver more often than it than not. Number one hybrid more often than not. Number one iron more often than not. Ball, number one wedge. Wedges. Wedges and ball by plenty. Shoes, gloves. I mean, right. go so the, and then to the kind of see like, hey, that that the putter, which was for a long time sort of a you know a give me in ter- a gimme in terms of torque count, to to see that kind of fall off is you know I would I would think it 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 probably stings a little in terms of pride and and certainly like you you don't want to be number two in a category if you've had a long history of being number one and certainly. You know, you don't want to, and and I can't imagine anybody's going, well, nothing we can do about that. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. So I can't wait to see what it looks like. The the uh, the next generation to see how much of Aussie's influences is, is a part of that. See how quickly um you know, we kind of see that in, in a in a result. Uh, like I said, not a not a Scotty guy, not an Odyssey guy. Maybe maybe something in that Scottish mixture like appeals to me, but certainly I'm, I'm going to be 
interested to see how much we notice and how soon we see it. Kind of yeah, thing. the Scottishy lineup. We'll see what uh, what becomes of that. So, any final thoughts, Tony? Anything you need to get off your chest or off your eyebrows before we go? Do we want, do we want to do a giveaway? Do a giveaway. You right, have thirty seconds. So, what are you giving away? All right, we're gonna do a Callaway prize package here. Callaway prize Stuff package. I picked up in Journey. So, Rogue. Oh, that was the hat Rogue. I had. Rogue hat, and and of course, like this, you know, I may be tipping my hand early here, but this may be the the big piece of it. But with Rogue, we, we get the instruction manual. Oh, you think speed. And think speed, like, and then rogue. And you go Rogue. All right, all right. So we got the wristbands. We got. We got a. Bombs away head cover here. Um, Where else or, would you go? Or you could oven mitt it. Oh, I like the oven mitt. Puppet. I don't know. <laughs> and, okay. and last, and once upon a time, I would have said last and least, but again, precision technology. This is very likely a better product. I'm confident it's a better product. So last but not least this time, got three <laughs> two-ball trial packs, the entire Chrome Soft lineup. I put them in the wrong order. Oh, my God, that's... Probably gonna get fined for that, but Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X, and of course Chrome Soft XLS. Tony, what do they have to do to win these? What does somebody have to do to win these fantastic items? Tell me, what do they got to do? do? What should we do? How about how about you tell me? We talked about this earlier. Okay. Callaway does not have a one for one competitor with. Pro V1, the number okay. one Calvin ball in does golf. does not have a Pro they V1. They do not have a Pro ball. V1. Okay. And, you know, they could make one. Um, okay. Capacity issues for everybody notwithstanding, but should. This is the question. We want to hear your opinion. Leave a comment somewhere. Should Callaway create a ball that, that matches Pro V1 in terms of things like compression, flight characteristics, and spin? Should, should there be a one-for-one one competitor with Pro V1? from Callaway. Why or why not? Let us know. All right, there you go. So should Callaway make a direct competitor to Titleist Pro V1? Why or why not? You can find Tony on the socials at at GolfSpyT. You can find me, me, Chris, at GolfSpyC. Drop us a note. Leave us a comment. We'll take it from there and we'll be back to you guys next time. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>